1: Many of us have appreciated the four agreements as laid out by Don Miguel Ruiz. For many years, they have assisted us in altering old patterns of behavior that no longer serve our life. Briefly, they are not to take things personal, stop making assumptions, be impeccable with your words, and do your best. There is a fifth agreement added to these four which is to be skeptical, but learn to listen. These are not commandments, vows, sacred laws, or pious promises. They are agreements that we can choose to practice each day. Now, Don Miguel takes us more deeply than ever. After suffering a near-fatal heart attack that left him in a coma for nine weeks, in which he traveled in a dream state between life and death. He brings back for us his discoveries steeped in Toltec philosophy and wisdom. Don Miguel Ruiz is a renowned and most beloved spiritual teacher dedicated to sharing wisdom and love through practical concepts in order to promote transformation and ultimately change lives for the better. He's the youngest of 13 children born in rural Mexico to parents who were healers and practitioners of ancient Toltec traditions. As a young adult, he graduated from medical school and practiced neurosurgery until a near-fatal car crash forever changed the direction of his life. Since then, he consistently delivers the deepest truths in the most relevant ways. He's the author of many books, including The Four Agreements and The Fifth Agreement, which is presented in collaboration with his son, Don Jose Ruiz, and the book of his spiritual journey when he was in a coma with his co-author, Barbara Emerys, of The Toltec Art of Life and Death. Join us for the next hour as we explore Toltec wisdom and the insight it offers for us in this postmodern world. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Don Miguel, welcome.
2: It's a big, big pleasure coming back to this wonderful show. And I, I do it with all my love and all my gratitude because this is what is important in life, to live in gratitude and to be generous because that's the real love. The equilibrium between gratitude and generosity
1: thank you thank you so much for coming to our studio once more and gracing us with your love and generosity i would like to begin just for if you could do a brief overview for those people who have never come across the four agreements if we could just sort of briefly highlight those so that people understand the this concept
2: well, we can say that these four agreements was the result of a little more than ten years of working with people, intending uh, to understand how the human mind works. And instead of uh, uh, telling how they how they how they can change the way they believe, I just offer this first. These four wonderful four agreements, and it's impeccable with the word. This is extremely important because this is what we really are or worth. with, With the world, we create a whole reality. It can go very deep just with this first agreement. It's the most important of all of that. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions that really support this first agreement. And always do your best. This is extremely important because we can have so many ideas but if we don't take action, we never will manif- manifest those ideas. Then by doing our best, we can make our dreams come true. We can change the manifestation that we do every single day of our life. Then always doing your best is extremely important. And after working with these four agreements, practicing in our life, the moment comes when we shift our life by, and the only way to end That conflict that exists in the human mind, which is not really between good and bad, but it's between the truth and the lies, is by the fifth agreement. Be skeptical, but learn to listen. We have to be skeptical because we already know that our own story, the story of our life, is just a story. It's not even real. And we live in our own personal truth, but we are not the only ones. Everybody around us do exactly the same thing. There's 7 million people creating their own story, living in their own story, and each one of them, they have their own truth. Then when we know that, we know that all the stories are not real. Then we have to be skeptical. We don't believe whatever they say, but we listen, and that's what makes the difference. And it's, it's like I tell everybody, don't believe me? don't believe yourself and don't believe anybody else but the most important part is don't believe me don't believe yourself especially with all those lies that we told to ourselves all those lies that limit the expression of our life all those lies that don't allow us to be good enough strong enough intelligent enough because we judge ourselves we live with guilt And we create all those traumas in our life just because we believe our own judgments, because we are not the way that we supposed should be. Then the fifth agreement, we can say, is the end of a whole training that really leads you to your own freedom to be yourself, whatever you are.
1: Well, you've just set a very rich table for us in, those, in this opening, so I want to thank you for that. And I'd like to go deeper. In this book, in your new book, The Toltec Art of Life and Death, you, in this dream journey that you had while you were in a coma, uh, first of all, tell us, what is a dream journey? What, what's going
2: on there? Well, we can say that we are dreaming all the time. We are dreaming when the brain is awake as well as when our our brain is sleeping. And that is about perception. We always perceive. We perceive light. We perceive all the sounds. We perceive an entire reality, but we really don't see objects. We just see the light that is reflected in those objects, and that light going into our eyes from all the different directions and project into the eye all the objects, then what is really in our eye is a copy of what really exists outside. And this is really dreaming. It's just a virtual reality that only exists in our mind. It's just like when we we are in a mirror, we see that everything that is inside of the mirror is a copy of what is outside. If you want to touch the objects inside the mirror, you only touch the surface. But you see all these objects inside of that mirror, and it's the same way with our eye. The only difference is that behind the eye is our brain, and we can analyze everything that we perceive, and we distort what we perceive through everything that we believe. Then we create a whole story. We create our own personal reality that is only truth for us and not for anybody else. And in that way we create all those characters that live in that story but the most important one is the main character of that story which in my case is miguel riz then my whole story is about miguel riz but for a long time for many years i didn't know that i was not miguel riz it's just my identity is my creation and i created according the belief of everybody around me, what my parents told me that I am, my friends, a school, society, everything, and it's just an image that I create. But I really, I'm not that Miguel Ruiz. Then, in our, my personal dream, is the point of view of Miguel Ruiz. But I'm dealing with seven billion people, <laughs> and they are doing exactly the same thing they think that they are what they believe they are, and they have their personal truth that is completely different than mine, then we are living always in a dream in the story and we don't notice. It's so perfect that we don't notice. Then with, uh, with this comma, that dream was, uh, was excellent because it's, uh, it's related to everybody else's dream. Because the mind works almost the same for every single human. The only thing that differs is the experiences that we have in life. But every story is based on the main character. And the main character have the challenge to face everything that that main character believes. They have to face the conflict that exists in everybody else's mind, mainly in his own mind or her own mind. Like in this story, uh, I face all my belief system. And the only way to come back to life, we can say, is when my mother, Sarita, that is a main character in that story, uh, she's looking for the memories in that knowledge who changed the duration of my life, the encounters that I have with the truth, because in that conflict between the truth and lies, the truth is always uh, is is been always there. The truth exists long before the creation of humanity, and will exist long after the extinction of humanity. The truth doesn't need to be proved. In the other hand, all those lies only exist because we believe in those lies. If we don't believe in those lies, all those lies just disappear. And those lies cannot survive the presence of the truth. Then when I find in, in the, the memory, in my belief system, those encounters between the truth and lies, then all those lies disappear. And that changed completely my story. And we can say it's like an odyssey that the main character is walking in order to find the truth. Because we humans, we are always looking for the truth.
1: That's our basic nature.
2: Yes, it's the nature for every single human, even if they don't know. And this is the most important part. They don't know. That's why we, we make all those mistakes. That's why we create all those dramas, because we just don't know.
1: I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Don Miguel Ruiz, and he's the author along with... Barbara Emerys of the Toltec Art of Life and Death. And if you want to know more about his work and all of of his writings, you can go to his website, miguelruiz.com, and he spells his name R-U-I-Z, miguelruiz.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm here with Don Miguel Ruiz, and he's the author, along with Barbara Emery, of The Toltec Art of Life and Death. Don Miguel, we were talking a bit about the actual journey, the dream journey that you would take, and in that, one of the entities that you met that's very, very challenging for us here in the West is uh, an entity you call Knowledge. And we pursue knowledge. This is a very high art. We look for meaning in our life and knowledge, and we collect knowledge. And you're challenging that. Is is knowledge a demon or an angel?
2: Well, we can say it's both at the same time. You know, when we're born, we don't have any knowledge at all. We learn. Our parents hook our attention, and this is how we learn everything that they believe. Then they teach us everything that they know. We go to school, and they teach us everything that they know. Then wherever we go, everybody's teaching us whatever they know. They hook our attention. They download information into our brain, and we are searching for attention. We look for attention, and this is how we create the the entire belief system. We didn't have any belief, but little by little, we accumulate all, the, all those beliefs and very soon with the experience of life and with interaction with everybody else, knowledge take control of our life. Something that didn't exist start possessing us. Then we can say that every single human is being possessed by knowledge and knowledge is made by words and every word is only true because we agree with the meaning of that word, then we learn a whole language and we base the whole story in that language. We agree with every sentence and that's how we can communicate with everybody else because we have all that knowledge. The knowledge help us for creation. It becomes... A great angel, a great messenger. But we learn so many superstitions. We learn the superstition from our family, from school, from religion, from society, and those superstitions are made by lies. Then a lie is a distortion of the truth.
1: So, Don Miguel, when when you
2: talk about words, I'm reminded
1: of the Bible that uh, in the Book of John he said, you know. Uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and and but I I understand from l- reading your book it um there's something beyond words. There's something. Um, you're a scientist. You yes. went through medical school, so you've really looked at the science of all of this. And so, if we're talking about the words or knowledge. That's in this one realm, but there's another realm, and I think you call it life mm-hmm. or light, you know, and that's another realm that's maybe, do you consider that more truthful or everlasting? What would
2: you say? Well, all that is symbology that we use it in order to understand. Then let's go with the word. In the beginning, the word was with God. The word was God, and the word creates everything. Which means that the word exists long after creation is what creates everything. Is silent knowledge? Is we can say is intent? Is the will? Is energy? Is God? Okay, we perceive the word, and. We give name to the world, mm-hmm. and we have our personal world, and, and that personal world is exactly the opposite of the real world. Like when you see yourself in a mirror, your right hand becomes the left hand. Well, it's a perfect image of the world, but when it's corrupted, then it's the fall of the world, and our language is made by the corruption of that word, and even that knowledge is the greatest messenger. It becomes also the demon who possesses us. It is the one who creates all those limitations. So it's,
1: it's, it's neither good nor bad. It's no. just kind of what, what we make it. That we, if we, if we attach our belief system to it, and. Um, I, I know that there's something, I just want to read this briefly because sure. this is something in your book. Um, you're talking with your students, and you're saying uh, they, they are looking for solutions to some unnameable problem. They were looking for something they thought they lacked. They had been denied them, uh, something they lacked that had been denied them She never could get used to the way some humans chased mystery, she meaning knowledge is what you're Uh talking about there, Uh, chased mystery as if it had a higher logic. In the end, they would crave the old familiar knowledge. Here we go. This Mm. is where we go, our habits. And they would come back to it like roosting chickens after Mm. many exasperating attempts to fly they would come back to routine habits sooner rather than later. They would come to their senses. Oh, this is so beautiful. <laughs> that is so beautiful. It's so well done, and it's uh, uh, this is what we are talking about, isn't yes. it? That that we have these habits of mind, and we attach words to them, and then we it becomes beliefs. And even when we look into the void and look into the mystery. For a moment, we see something and we are in wonder, but then we pull back and we <laughs> go back to our old habits.
2: Okay. This is extremely beautiful because we are talking about the main character of our story. Of course, it's the main character of the story who create all that knowledge, who, who create all the judge and the victim. Then it's the... the the hunger to find something that he believes is let's see that is God or is the eternal, truth. eternal exactly. But the, the, the main character does doesn't see that it's really our, he is the reflection of, of what she's, of what he or she is looking for. Then he created all the beautiful poetry painting searching for the truth. For the world, for life, don't even not even notice that is the reflection of what gives life to our physical body. That we can say is the reflection of God, but it has been trapped by his own creation. But the way how that reflection used the world in order to go against itself.
1: One of the significant events in your life. Um, This was just fascinating to me. You developed a closet of mirrors. And you mentioned earlier mirrors, and you've mentioned it several times. And so you sat for hours and hours in this closet of mirrors. What what was that like, and what did that do to you?
2: Oh, this is one of the greatest things that can happen, you know, When you're in front of all those mirrors, you see an image of you that is eternal. Mm -hmm. You see yourself and you're in wonder about everything that you're seeing. And you're seeing every single human that ever exists. You get out of the mirrors and it's like you're still in the mirror room because you see yourself and every single human that is around you. There's just images also. Just like you, they create their story. They believe it's true. It is, you know, something that is so beautiful. It's like a, maybe like a few weeks ago, I went to a museum and I see uh, Leonardo da Vinci's, all the, the uh, uh, experiments that he have, and he have a mirror room. I didn't know that. Exactly the same way eight, eight mirrors and oh my goodness! That tell yeah. me a lot about Leonardo da Vinci, because that means that he did exactly the same thing. He discovered the same things. He find himself Notice, noticing that everything is completely irrelevant, but is exciting. You know, being alive is incredible, and we only have very short time living in our physical body because hundred years is nothing compared with the eternity that we really are. And when he finds himself, he finds that he is the, the force that moves matter, and it's eternal, that he is life. And life is eternal. Life never dies. Our physical body is the one who die when we stop working in the physical body. Then the whole concept about death change, because there's no death really. It's just transformation. Then we can say that before our body die, all the dream is dying all the time. You know, like you have a house ten ten years ago, it's not true any longer. And every single moment is changing. Then we see that uh, the whole creation is happening right here and right now. And it's extremely powerful to accept that, to see it, that we are on creation every single moment. I
1: know that you've written, like, we think of life, then we we die, we die to our life. But you say it's just the opposite, that, exactly. that death surrenders to life.
2: Well, we create it. We are the ones who move matter. We are the ones who create the physical body and the one we live. It's like a, we build a house, we live in the house. Well... We create a physical body, and the physical body is our house, it's our home, it's our sanctuary. Then we should live with respect in our sanctuary. We need to protect our own physical body and treat the physical body the best we can because we will have it only for a certain time, and then we will not have the physical body. And thanks to that physical body, we can be reflected and live in the mind that we create because that mind is just a virtual reality, but with that virtual reality, we have all those ideas. We can manifest and we keep creating. We can communicate with the rest of humanity. It's like in this book, I let everybody know that they can change their own world. And if they see this book, and they see their own life, they can see the similitude. They just, instead of being Miguel, they have their own name. And all the secondary characters also will shift all the events. But the rhythm, everything is exactly the same. We create all those human dreams very similar. And of course, that will change because uh, events change it, language change it, places in the earth change it, and time change also. It's not the same to live, in, let's in the United States in these times with it's peace that to live in a place that is war, where is more injustice, but when we understand that we understand why humanity is the way it is.
1: So I I I, I want to talk a, a little bit about in just a moment the, the the mind as a predator, because you talk about the mind chasing and chasing hungry, hungry for some things. So let's let's talk about that in just one moment. But I want to remind our listeners, I'm here with Don Miguel Ruiz, and he's the author along with Barbara Emery's of the Toltec Art of Life and Death. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. <music> here with Don Miguel Ruiz and he's the author along with Barbara Emerys of the Toltec art of Life and death and Don Miguel I, w- I would like to talk because y- you say so clearly in your book um an image of the mind being a predator and hungry hungry it's often hungry for for things like um, uh, anger, or fear, or guilt or, or, or all of these things. and it just it's just voracious in this search and hunger for that. And it, so I, I would love for you to, to talk about, I know you've mentioned to your you have a question for your students, you say, are you a fly? or are you a bee? So what does a fly eat and what does a bee
2: eat? Okay, well, first let's go to the to the mind. Um, okay, um the whole problem is how we learn to love oh. mm-hmm. because when we were, when we we're born, we are just pure love. Our whole body is just so open, and just yes, our presence make that our parents take care of us for everything that we need. And we learn from our parents, when they hook our attention, they teach us, well, everybody loves the way they learn to love. And everybody loves with conditions. Then what rules the dream of the humans is conditional love, which is exactly the opposite of the real love we can say the real love is the world. The conditional love is the fall of the world. Well, when we learn to love with conditions, we love them if we can control them. And that's the way they love us. They love us if they can control us. And this is how we learn to love. But the worst part is that we learn to love ourselves also with conditions. I love myself if... Mm. I love myself if I can please everybody else's points of view. I will love myself if I can be the way I suppose that I should be. If not, I will reject myself. And in that interaction... With that kind of law that we have with everybody else, this is how we create our entire belief system. We create all those superstitions that we have in our mind, that we have in our beliefs. And we are the ones who try to impose those superstitions to everybody else and to ourselves. We can, we can say the police who impose, who try to control them and to control ourselves. And the one who is afraid to be judged. That's why it's so important what everybody think about us. Because we agree with them the way that we're supposed to be. And we love ourselves with conditions. When we understand that point, we also understand the reason of the violence, the injustice, even war. With all the hate, all the all the guilt, all the blame, all the shame, we understand why humanity is the way they are, and this is because we love with conditions. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about the ninety nine point ninety nine 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 percent, and it's not our fault because we learned that from society already. But when oh. we have the awareness, we may change it. Then we can see that that conditional love that we have for ourselves, this is the predator. This is the parasite. And we are the victims of that parasite. Then our challenge is to face that parasite, to face the predator and to win over. And the only weapon that we have is the truth. That's the only weapon we have in order to win this conflict, this war.
1: So I kind of think of it like, um, as um, you challenge us, what are we eating? Yes. You know, what are we eating? Are we eating like a fly? They eat poo, you know, mm-hmm. or are like a bee? They eat nectar, you know. So what are we taking in? That self love and there's a there's another concept I know that you you emphasize, and that's respect. Yes. So what does respect have to do with love?
2: Okay. Well, let's go first with the bee and the, and the fly. You know, this is the metaphor that I use to let everybody know that, let's see, you are the parasite. Uh-huh. You are the one who creates all those limitations. You are the one who loves with conditions. Then the first step is to accept that we are. Then I used to tell my apprentices, okay, you're going to present yourself, you will say your name, and then what you say, well, I am the parasite, I am the predator, and I'm addicted addicted to anger, to judgment, to sadness, whatever. Just by doing that, we start releasing what we are. Then in the metaphor, we say, okay, Either you are a bee or you are a fly. The bee looks for nectar, the fly looks for poo. Then what are you? And on the other hand, okay, how do you behave? Like nectar or like poo? If you behave like poo, you will attract flies. (laughs) If you behave as nectar, you will bring... Bees, but you also will bring flies. That is up to you to see which one you want. You wanna be or you wanna fly, because you are the nectar. And that in that way the apprentice starts saying, Oh my god, I'm acting like poo. I'm acting like nectar, and how can I get a fly with me? Mm -hmm. Then this is metaphors that really help people to increase the belief that they have about themselves and to live better to make a better decision for themselves
1: I'm reminded of a poem by Rilke and I can't remember the exact words but part of it is uh, making honey in my heart oh yeah so it's like that remembering that that if we're eating that the nectar then we're Making honey, where that's what, what's happening in our lives, and that's the love you're talking about.
2: Then you are honey, you are nectar. When you are creating unconditional love, when you you, you really don't care wherever that love goes, you are just what you are, and this is extremely beautiful. But you also perceive whoever comes with other intentions, with other limitations you perceive that whoever is coming to you could be a bee or a fly. And it's up to you to accept it until a certain point, of course, and that is the respect. Then respect is, we can say, is the most important part of love. It's what keep the equilibrium between the gratitude and, and the generosity. Then if you respect first yourself, you respect your own beliefs, and you get peace with yourself, then the conflict between truth and lies will be over when you really respect yourself. And when you respect other people, you respect the stories that they have. Yes, they will say so many lies, but it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that unless you take it personally and make it yours. Now it's a problem. But if you respect them, you have peace with everybody around you. And everybody loves to be around you because of respect. Respect is really the result of winning a war or winning a battle if you don't win the war yet. But you get some respect at a certain point. you advance in your in your own creation. In, in, in the, We can say in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in changing your own reality. One of the things that I do when I give the lectures is asking for help. And I tell everybody, please help me to change the world. And I'm not talking about the world of humanity, but the world that they create, the personal world. If they change their world, the way to do it is not to change all the secondary characters.
1: So it's like, as you said earlier, it's like in our mind, it's like this virtual reality. It is. And so
2: that's very mobile then. Yes, it's shifting all the time is changing all the time like the way you see the world when you was 10 years old completely different than when you was 12 or when you was in uh, late teens or when you have children and it's completely different that today and even the way you see the world today is different than the way you see it a week ago or yesterday is always changing because you are changing it all the time you are in creation in this moment that's why it's so important we are the artist who is creating the story right here and right now five minutes ago is already past it's not true anymore the future doesn't exist yet we can plan the possible future but anything can happen that can change everything which is okay we can plan. T- we're gonna in 10 years we have no idea it may happen or not, but we are not attached to that because what is important is what we are doing right now. You know, in and the, and the moment that you are dying, you find out that everything that you did in life is completely relevant. You don't take anything with you. Uh-huh. And it's okay. You know, yeah. we see that all the conflict that we had before, it was for something that was not even important, but we overreact. We got so emotional. We create so many dramas for something that is not really relevant.
1: I I remember you tell the story when you uh, really saw that for yourself. I think you were very young and your older brother died. And you were at a funeral. And you, as this 11-year-old child... You could kind of see the opera, the the drama kind of playing out with your family that all gathered for this funeral.
2: Well, that changed my whole life Uh by seeing that everybody was pretending to be what they are not. And they really believed themselves. And it was so obvious for me that it was not true. It was obvious for me that wherever I go, people are doing that all the time. How can I even trust what they say? Then it was a big shake for me. And that changed me completely. I never could trust anymore that what they're saying right now will happen or they really mean it because, yes, they mean it in that moment, but five moments later, maybe they changed their mind. And it was okay. I was prepared for whatever was coming after because I no longer believe in that. I, I even didn't believe myself because I see myself also changing the same way. Something that I want this moment, maybe in a day after, was no longer true. Then how can I make promise anymore when I don't know if I can keep those promise or not?
1: I'm here with Don Miguel Ruiz, and he's the author, along with Barbara Emerys, of The Toltec Art of Life and Death. He is also the author of The Four Agreements, which many of us remember. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Don Miguel Ruiz, and he's the author, along with Barbara Emery, of The Toltec Art of Life and Death. Don Miguel, I know in the dream journey that you had when you were in a coma, there were some ancestors that came to you, mm-hmm. your grandfather and your great-grandfather. And it just made me wonder, uh, Can can any of us call up our ancestors and call up the wisdom of our ancestors, or does it take a special adept or shaman to, to be able to do that?
2: No, it's, it's much more simple than that. In this story, every single character is created by, by Miguel. Then I am my great-grandfather. I am my great-grandfather's friend. I am my grandfather. I am my mother. I am my father. I am every single one who is in my story? But all of these people really they exist or is, or exist right now. The whole story is based in reality. You know, the mother that lives in my mind is not the same than my real mother, because the image that I have about my mother is what I believe about her, because I really don't know her
1: because you're not living her you're no. living your image of her
2: the image of her is the one who is in my mind mm-hmm. the image of my grandfather is the one that is in my mind even uh the whole knowledge we give the uh we name it lala is the name of uh, of the of knowledge and the whole thing is about the redemption of lala you know my mother passed in like a, around eight years ago, something like that. But in my mind, she still exists. Mm-hmm. My father still exists. And in my mind, I talk to them when I go to sleep. I dream with her and we have all those conversations. And it's as real as when we are awake. So, are you
1: saying that, that we can call up the wisdom and this wisdom actually lives inside exactly. us?
2: Exactly because it comes from the same part that creates the physical body, which is life itself. It's life, the ones who give life to my mother, to my grandfather, to every single human in this world. And I have no idea what they have in their mind, like I don't have idea what my mother have in their mind, but as a projection of my own life, they give me the answers because it comes from the same source, because by the end, it's only one being and is alive. It's only matter that is moved by the same force, and that force we can call it God, we can call it energy, we can call it the will, we can call it truth, we can call it love. It doesn't matter what name we give. Is as soon as we give a name, it's no longer truth.
1: Oh, okay. Uh-huh. But we do give a name a matter and energy. We
2: understand the concept. And we feel it because we feel life. We are alive. Yes. We feel our life. We can say it so at the it's a the So it's not the matter. word
1: that it is. It's not energy. It's a
2: feeling that we One have. Is, we can call it silent knowledge. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make a sound. It makes a sound as soon as it touch matter. Because matter is reflecting it. Then the sound of the entire universe in India, they call it Aum. Uh Uh-huh. It's just a symbol, but it's all the sounds together at the same time. Like when you close your eyes, you go, you have that sound that is even, you don't even know if you're hearing or not that sound. But it's the sounds of existence. We can call it that way. Hmm. But it's, the, it's matter, what the ones who reflect that. Because that makes the matter vibrate and give heat. And so without
1: re- it, matter uh, would be inert. It, it wouldn't be moving. There's something... Well, this is, a, this is
2: a fact that science says all the time. Matter cannot move without a force who moves matter. And if matter is in movement, only can be stopped if a force starts matter. But matter by itself doesn't move and matter has a beginning and has an end well the force that moves matter it doesn't have a beginning nor an end and energy cannot be destroyed only transformed and the transformation will depends how is moving matter in which direction etc etc then is that movement that force could put matter together and create all the magnetism that looks like the impenetrability of matter, like we cannot cross our fingers into the glass. But we know that the glass is made by atoms, same same like our hand. Then if we don't have that magnetism, the hand could cross it, could cross any matter. And this is what gives form and shape to all the matter. It's just like our physical body. Every organ have the shape according to how the, that force created have a function depending on the blueprint that we have in the DNA. Then it's fascinating to see how matter, how, how life or energy make matter evolve. And we can see that the matter is extremely evolved when it, re- when it reacts faster and faster through light. Like our brain is really evolved because it reacts immediately to light or to the force or to, the, or to life. And we can say that our brain is the result of millions and millions of years that life is working in matter, of the forces. Is working in matter.
1: I know that there's a place uh, that is very special to you. That's near Mexico City, Teotihuacan, and and that's a you you talk about that that place, the the ruins of this very beautiful city at one time and part of your ancestry, which is the Aztec and. You say it, it reflects the mind, the way it's laid out reflects the mind. What? Tell us about this special place.
2: Well, there's so many places like that on the planet Earth. But for me, this is the most important because I find that it's a map. It's a map where we can find ourselves step by step. In, uh, in, in that, that map... It helps us to face all our lies. The name of Teotihuacan means the place where human awake and becomes God. I like to change it into in saying it's the place where human awake and becomes the truth. Because it's exactly what we are looking for, for the truth, without knowing that we are the truth. We are the that mystery that we are searching for a long time. And in order to really reach the truth completely, the last step that we should do is to step aside everything that we know, let knowledge go completely, and we just take the chance and merge with that truth, and we become the truth, and everything shifts completely. Because as soon as we become the truth, then we see how we are the ones who create that knowledge. We are the ones who create the main character. we are the ones who make everything so beautiful
1: i i I love what you're saying, and i I'm just wondering, Don Miguel, uh, you know i i I can't just decide to do that something uh something has to motivate me to sort of burst into that in some way can you help me to know how to
2: well it's so simple it's an act of faith you know uh knowledge is take us until that point when we are defeating knowledge little by little knowledge is being changed is being transformed and it, everything comes from the main character of our story she is the one who is searching for God is searching for the truth is searching for enlightenment but to, to reach that we have to break all those limitations that we create that when we finally win over fear we win over, over uh, power and we are facing knowledge itself when we defeat knowledge because knowledge surrendered to the truth then we are like a in the age of an abysm. Then we need to have the faith to just jump. And what is there is the truth.
1: I know in in the book you have a conversation with knowledge, and it's such a beautiful conversation towards the end of the book, and 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 it's like she has all these objections, and she's saying, "Oh, I've created all these worlds. I've created all of this." It just goes on and on, and and you offer no resistance. You just sit there and just I, I don't. There's just such a beautiful way that you're just there without resistance.
2: Well, we can say that the lies they fight to survive. When they're in front of the truth, you know, like as you see in Siddhartha. the last moment he is with Mara, he have the same face of Siddhartha, he's congratulating You're the great etc and Mara and Siddhartha say, "Well, you, you are not real, and I put the earth as the witness, and Mara gets anger and just disappear.
1: Oh, Don Miguel, we could go on and on. You've given us such riches. Thank you so much for being with us on New Dimensions today.
2: Oh, it's been my pleasure. It's really, I always enjoy when I come here and talk to you. Oh, thank you. It's so wonderful. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I'm here with Don Miguel Ruiz, and he's the author, along with Barbara Emery, of the Toltec Art of Life and Death. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, miguelruiz.com and he spells his last name R-U-I-Z miguelruiz.com or you can get there through the New Dimensions website newdimensions.org I'm Justine Willis-Toms you've been listening to New Dimensions this is program number 3564
0: New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973 thanks to the generosity of our listeners For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions.